Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The NBA wrapped up its All-Star Weekend festivities. College hoops continues to heat up. And shockingly enough, another week where we'll be talking Major League Baseball and it not being in the regular season. But we'll get there. We'll build up to it. I wanted to start with some NBA because the All-Star game to me, at least in the fourth quarter, was actually exciting. I don't know what happened. I felt excitement. I felt like it was must-see television. And the new Elam rule that they implemented actually turned out to not be a head-scratcher as we thought it might be and turned into an incredibly competitive, however many minutes it ended up being, of basketball. It got back to, I'm sure, your all-star game roots where they actually took the game seriously and played to win. Something that we haven't seen, I think one of the games people brought up is back in 2001 when Allen Iverson dragged the East back to win that All-Star game when they were down by 1,000 in the final quarter. It's become something that you catch the highlights of and don't watch. I thought this past weekend, at least on Sunday in the fourth quarter, was get me to a TV set, I want to see what it's about, and it didn't disappoint. Well, Johnny, and it was indeed enjoyable as I'm sure uh, our fans, uh, of which there are many, uh, tuned in to watch something unique and extraordinary. A game that was not timed, a game that had no commercials, a game that had no breaks, a game that had no clock, a game that had no time limit, a game that was played to, like on the playground, a particular number based upon the scoring system that they decided to go with. It was interesting. It was intriguing. And the fourth quarter was knocked down, drag out, hotly competitive. Teams screaming at officials, up in arms over calls. Teams who couldn't score down the stretch because the defense was so intense. And finally, uh, you didn't want it to end on a free throw. Uh, but... Anthony Davis goes to the line for two free throws to get to the point. Misses the first, makes the second. After LeBron James is prancing around, screaming, it's over, it's over, it's over, like an idiot, which was one of the low points, along with his play in the fourth quarter. But more importantly, it was, if you're a sports fan, it was must-see TV. If you're an NBA fan, you didn't want to, you couldn't take your eyes off it, because after three quarters of lob and dunkathon, um, and unmitigated threes, you saw two teams playing like their lives were on the line. Maybe I, I maybe it was side bets. I have no idea. 
but you know, it was like they were playing for those $300,000 that the kids were going to get, like they were going to have to pay it out of their pocket and then some. So it was intense. It was without a doubt, one of the most interesting and intriguing all-star games in any sport that I've ever seen and very fresh, very new, and hopefully uh, something that's going to stick around in regard to the NBA All-Star game for sure. I was actually surprised how it had played out until the final quarter because on paper, after the draft was done with Giannis and LeBron picking their squads, it seemed like LeBron's squad was a lot better than Giannis's would be, even though it's all all-stars that are going to be playing against each other. Obviously the starting five was, I mean, this is going to be over by the second quarter, even though that's not the case anymore, but you would think they would have held the hand and no, we go into the final quarter and if it wasn't for Giannis's team kind of going cold and allowing LeBron's team to make a comeback, get it close, and then it really become a slugfest, we wouldn't have been in for the ending that we ended up getting. Now, I think, as you mentioned, one of the things to tweak, if any, for me, might be the game ending on a free throw. Obviously, when they came up with this, that probably wasn't something that they thought was going to happen first time out. The odds of it happening where it, it does end up like that are slim to none. But lo and behold, here we were in a quote-unquote one-possession game. If Giannis's team hits a three, it's over. And if LeBron's team hits a two, it's over, which is exactly what you want. They couldn't have asked for a better end result. I didn't love the free throw. A part of me was maybe hoping he would miss it just to see the chaos it would create. But Anthony Davis being a Laker, you're pulling for him to end the game. I think if they could tweak something, it would be in that maybe if you're not following on a shooting foul, if it's just an off-the-ball foul or a reach-in or whatever it may be. Side out. Either side out or you you take it up like it's backyard and just check it at the three-point line and, and play from there. Well, maybe not the three-point line since the NBA moved them back five or ten feet. Check the ball and let's keep going and see where we go from there. I think that would also add an element of – you hope the players wouldn't purposely make these ridiculous falls if things weren't going to go wrong, but there would be some fun too. You can't end on a free throw. Let's go. You got to score. In regard to what you said earlier, I don't put a lot of stock in who's on whose team, you know, as to whether they're all, as you said, they're all all stars. So somebody gets hot. Somebody's on a roll. You know, one team meshes more than the other. So I, I really don't give much mind to who I think is better or who I think is going to win. Um, these games are almost always close, regardless of what the, the, the lineups are and who's on which team, et cetera. Um, and that's the way it turned out again. You know, the, is, you know LeBron's team made up the nine-point deficit uh, you know, to get to 157 first. Did you watch – any of the dunk contest or the three-point contest. I'm sure you didn't watch the celebrity game, which no one probably should. The, the small highlights that I saw from it, it went exactly as you thought it would. But are you into the dunk contest and three-point contest, or is that kind of went by the wayside? Skill contest, no, no, too. I, I shouldn't I, leave them out. I, I watched them both, absolutely. 
because I knew that the Gordon was going to be the dunk contest and, you know, uh, Pat Conahy was going to be in the dunk contest and I knew he was bringing in Christian Yelich. And I wanted to see what, you know, our old guy Dwight Howard had up his sleeve. And I know the Jones kid from Miami can fly. So I thought the dunk contest was going to be you know, interesting and exciting. And I thought the three-point contest was going to be the same. And uh, I didn't know that they had added the new green ball shot for three points. Uh, that added a little intrigue to it. But, you know, Buddy Heald wins it at the gun uh, over Booker. So the three-point shootout was excellent. And the dunk contest was outrageous, except for, you know, I should say it was outrageous including Gordon getting hosed again uh, after one of the most amazing, uh, mind-boggling, I, I don't even know how to describe the dunk that he did off the side of the board with the 360 catching the ball with one hand extending. I, 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 you can't, I can't even describe it. I can't even describe it. It's, it's the most outrageous dunk I've ever seen. Never seen anything like it. Incredible. Absolutely. And he, he almost made it look effortless. It was. And the reactions. You know, D. Wade looked like, you know, his eyes were going to fall out of his head. Candace Parker. I mean, it, it was incredible. Aaron Gordon's dunk one of his five straight fifties, which still didn't result in a win was. I don't know how it's not the best dunk in the history of the dunk. Hunt. Two years in a row. Now the dunk where he jumps, when he uses the mascot and he puts it underneath his legs. And on some of the camera angles, it looks like his legs are level with the rim, how high he got up for it. He's had some of the best dunks we've ever seen in a two-year span, and he hasn't won a trophy. You mentioned before we got on here, LeBron looked old. Our uh, guy, LeBron, what uh, happened? Well, first of all, he's not our guy. He's on our team. <laughs> Good clarification. But down the stretch of the All-Star game, folks, the great one, the king, looked like an old man. Uh, he couldn't beat anybody to the basket on the baseline pump fake pump fake fade away and Giannis stuffs it in his face three extended right side tries to draw a foul uh, probably you know a, a call in the regular season uh, not at this stage as you get Giannis up in the air and jumped into him a little bit and then throws it about off the top of the glass then getting back on defense, stumbles, falls, and gets blown by. Uh, gets posted up and just toasted uh, you know, by Embiid. Later on, tries to put up a three to win it from just inside half court. Then goes to the rack. And what sh we have come to see what would always be a LeBron power dunk but just tries to lay it up off the glass. And you know, I thought it hit the glass and was a goaltend. That was the call. But they challenged, which I thought was interesting, the challenges, which I thought were cool also. And 
Giannis made an, an amazing play, whether or not it was a block or not. I was fine with them calling it the block, e- even though I didn't think there was enough to, to overturn it. Yeah, me too. Because it was such an incredible play to even get that close to it being a clean block. You know, a pin versus catching off the glass and a goaltend. Um, so, but you know, that's supposed to be a LeBron dunk. Uh, but I, he looked old. He looked old. Plain and simple. He, he looked like, even though he had his 20 points and, you know, his assists and his rebounds, he looked like an old man playing with young guys. And, yeah, yeah, he had a, a break down the middle when the defense, you know, opened up and, you know, a, a dunk for the second last basket of the game. I mean, the last basket of the game, uh, the, the pre-free throw. Um, but he looked late old. Old against a bunch of young Turks. And I'm sure he'll be fine, but I don't want that to be the stretch run of any playoff game that the Lakers are playing. Yeah, it's nice to have Anthony Davis. (laughs) Not like we needed anybody to reinforce that. But it's nice to have Anthony Davis because he is one of the young guys that's able to, to run around with some of the younger all-stars that are on this team. I mean, him and Giannis going up against each other, captain against captain, and the battle at the rim went to Giannis. He, I thought he was going to get blow by him, and nope, he caught up. It, it was incredible to see. It, it was something you see out of a movie when two superheroes jump in the air and they meet each other at the top with their fists, and there's this nuclear blowback that happens gone completely unnoticed by all, including the announcers. What was the most underrated aspect of that fourth quarter? You're not going to say Kyle Lowry taking the offensive charges, are you? No, I'm not, but that was pretty (laughs) cool also. There were three jump balls, all in important situations coming off of tie-ups, coming off of replays, etc. AD against Giannis. AD won them all. Yeah, that's a good point. Those were three possessions that LeBron's team got as a direct result of AD winning jump balls against Giannis. So regarding the Elam rule, what would you think if that was implemented in the college game? I know can't happen but just thinking about what we've seen in college basketball we don't even have to put it in the well, NCAA I've, tournament I've just seen college it sports in you know lebron referred to it in the post game when he talks about the tournament that goes on during the summer uh for the the million or two million bucks whatever it is where players come back and play for their schools with uh, like for example syracuse's uh, Bayheim's army and they went to the finals a couple of years ago. And you play those to the, to the number. Um, you, you play that style in, in those games. And it, look, it, it, it's intriguing. I, I think that what, what made it so different here is because you put it in a game where it's an exhibition and they don't play any defense at all. And it's just freeze and lobs and dunks. So you made it 
so contrary to the other three quarters of the game where it was just, let's toss it up and let's chuck it up and let's slam it down. And then all of a sudden uh, we're doing this now and we're on the playground and, you know, we're playing 11 and you want to stay on, you got to win. And it was a totally different game. And you're watching guys who are the best in the world at what they do going at it. And, you know, I said to my son, it's amazing with all the talent out there, they couldn't score. They couldn't score. Right. It just goes to show you that when they use their physical skills, their athletic skills to totally attempt to prevent the other team from scoring, they can. And they did. Guys couldn't get to the basket. Guys couldn't get to the basket. Guys couldn't get off clean looks unless they were way, 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 way out. And the intensity on the defense was a beautiful thing to watch. The movement of the feet, the switching, the double teaming, the help defense, uh, the absolute walls at the rims, both ends. Anybody got inside and it was a wall. Now, granted, Wilt's not out there. Kareem's not out there. There's no dominant big man, and I'm not calling uh, Joel Embiid a dominant big man. Uh, I'm not calling Giannis a dominant big man. They're not like the guys I just mentioned. Those were big men. Those were big men who lived inside, scored inside, ate everybody alive inside. Uh, Kareem, the hook in either direction, and many other moves inside. Wilt, the most dominant player in the history of the sport. There's nobody out there like that, like that today. But the point is, it was, I thought, incredibly enjoyable to watch the best athletes in the sport and players in the sport excel wholly at the defensive end of the court and shut each other down. It's great. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Major League Baseball. I mean, after we yelled and screamed, well, I yelled and screamed last week about the Houston Astros and what came out at that point. Mere hours afterward, more things emerged. And then this past weekend, we hear from Rod Manfred, who does a 45-minute interview with Carl Ravitch in ESPN, and then has another press conference at spring training to address what's been going on with Major League Baseball. And just when you think it couldn't have gotten worse, and from the Astros press conference being the clusterfuck that it was, when they sent out the owner who doesn't have a clue in the world on how to be sorry for something or apologize, completely oblivious to the moment. Two of his players come out and read these prepared statements that offer no remorse. The only good that came from that day was in the clubhouse when some of the players had enough sense to apologize or try to at least and make sense of it all. Days after that, 
we get the commissioner of Major League Baseball to give his piece on why he decided his decisions, the reports that were sent out, and his reasonings for them. And you just spent every minute of it mostly either with your jaw on the ground or shaking your head. I'd like to know, just before we maybe hit on some specifics, how you're currently feeling. Because the interesting part of this, and people are saying, oh, this needs to go. We're sick of hearing it. The Astros, we get it. They cheated. There was that crowd. But then we saw something that we haven't seen in a very long time, is that after the commissioner made his statements, several, many, a few players around Major League Baseball then commented on what the commissioner had to say, and many, several, few players that we know and the public shockingly actually knows, because we talked about how terrible baseball is at marketing their sport, dragged the commissioner through the coals based on what he said in his reports. I thought that aspect of it, hearing from Mike Trout, the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger, the bigger names in Major League Baseball saying their piece on what happened and what the commissioner decided to do was chef's kiss. Amazing. But I'll throw it to you first. Where where do you stand now with this? uh, First of all, just when we thought, it couldn't get any worse in terms of how you explain things and clarity because we've seen that the Astros just need to not hold any more press conferences because the more they try and apologize, the worse it gets, the more they try and explain things, the worse it gets, the more they try and say that they're sorry uh, or that, uh, you know, we've tried to come clean or that, you know, even though we did something wrong, uh, it didn't have any effect on the outcome. No matter, no matter, basically, just shut up, because every time you open your mouth, it gets worse. And this has been the deal with the Astros, pretty much under the Jeff Luno regime. Everybody said the same thing: they are contrite, they are not apologetic, and it seems to be. Uh, a, a total and complete scenario that runs up and down the organization from top to bottom. And we think it showed throughout the postseason, throughout the regular season, uh, and it's reared its ugly head now, and they're going to have to live with it. America and baseball is sick of them. They have gone from being this great story to now the black sheep of the sport. What is incredibly interesting to me is that unlike the performance enhancing drug slash steroid era, when you had players who were either suspected, caught, and or admitted to breaking the rules, you saw very little attacks on those players, if at all, from other, it was the John Smoltz's of the world who wanted, you know, speaking up, who wasn't playing anymore. Or, or was it the, the end of his career? You saw very little criticism of Mark McGuire. What criticism do you hear of Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens? Great players who can't get in the Hall of Fame. They can't get in their votes. 
Bond's the best player I ever saw. Clemens, the best pitcher of our generation. Everybody was talking about that. Players don't call them cheats. Players don't call them liars. Players are looking for them to be suspended from the game or ineligible for the Hall of Fame. Well, they're like, it is another story. They embrace them as coaches, too. McGuire and but Bonds. Both these guys are now vilified by fellow players because they cheated their way to a championship. They cheated their way to a second World Series. And soon we'll see if the Red Sox did as well. Uh, so stay tuned, folks, coming out at the end of this week. And because the commissioner said he had to get to the bottom of it, and the only way he knew how was to grant immunity, and I don't have a problem with that. I do not have a problem with his methodology. If that's what he had to do, so be it. And you know, how do you suspend players when you don't know who did what, for how long they did it, who was at the bottom of it, who was at the top of it, who was in the middle of it, who stepped aside, who didn't participate, who did. So I can understand the excuses or the, or the rationale of why, but then to come out and say, well, you know, to, to not take away the title because it's just you know, a, a useless piece of metal. It's, it's a, it's a piece of metal that doesn't mean anything. What are you thinking? As Turner so aptly pointed out, you know, when he ripped him to shreds by saying, you know, in response, this is why we're showing up. That useless trophy that you say is meaningless is why we're all here in camp early to win it. The only thing that tarnishes that trophy is the name of Commissioner's Award. Commissioner's Trophy. That's the only thing that's useless about it. Your name shouldn't be on it. Every time he opens his mouth, he puts his foot in it. And the thing that I find even more intriguing is that I think, and I said this today on MLB Network to Jeff Joyce, I asked him what he thought. My belief is that these players despise what this commissioner has done to the game. I don't think any of them like the rule changes. I don't like what he's, I don't think they like what he's done to their game and the way he's imposed the threats of pitch clocks and the three batter minimum and all the things to speed up the game with no intentional walks and mound visits and the way he's made them play the game differently from the way they played it the whole game or the whole time that they grew up playing. All right. I think they are totally against what he's done. I think they've got a chip on their shoulder and they're pissed at him. And I think this is their way of voicing it. I think they've gone off on him even more so as a result of this being the straw that broke the camel's back. You've done all this shit to our game. We don't like it. We don't want it. We've had enough of it. And now. You didn't suspend these guys. And on top of everything else, you're going to tell us we can't reciprocate. They protected themselves by knowing what pitches were coming via cheating. So they never had to worry about you know when we were coming inside because they knew it was coming. Now you're telling me you're going to protect them again. They protected themselves by cheating. Now you're going to protect them. 
by enforcing against us the fact we can't hit him? I'm not saying hit him in the head. Shoulders down is fair game. End of story. You get to wear one. My call. Commissioner doesn't like it too damn bad. Shoulders down. If you're going to protect them to the point where they don't have to worry about a pitcher coming in off the plate, and I don't mean buzzing you. I don't mean chin music. I mean putting one in your in your ribs. Putting one you know, at the knees. Putting one at the angles, ang- ankles. Putting one in on the hands. If I can't go in there for fear of being tossed because the commissioner says there will be penalties, well, you know, they cheated to get that advantage. Now you're going to reward them? That shit don't play. That doesn't play at all. You know, Dusty Baker said, protect my players. I understand Dusty got to get his players protected, and he's got to speak out. But sorry, Dusty, I'm not protecting your players. They're not getting anything extra than anybody else is getting. No headhunting. I understand that. That's fair. Don't want anybody getting hurt in terms of, you know, real life-threatening, debilitating injuries. Always dead set against headhunting. But shoulders down, fair game. And you'll word to the wise. Don't throw three feet behind a guy. Hit him. Hit him on a one-one pitch. Hit him on a one-two pitch. Fastball, ribs. Well placed. Not five feet behind him. You know, don't throw the first pitch in his head so the whole world knows what you're doing. Which is another problem today. Nobody knows how to hit guys. Nobody knows how to send the message. They throw a first pitch four feet behind him. Well, what's that telling? I can't hit the guy. I can't hit the broadside of a barn. That's a message. How's it a message? One of the ribs. Don't tell me they can't do it. 92, 93 miles an hour right in the ribs. Right in the hands. At the knees. Got to pay the price. You cheated teams out of titles. You made a fiasco. An absolute farce of the game. I don't care All right, that the general manager didn't have the, hand the directive to the manager. The manager said he knew it was wrong. He said he didn't need the directive, but he didn't have the backbone to enforce it with his players. Why? Because he was afraid he was going to lose the players, you know, to Carlos Beltran you know, and Cora, the two ringleaders. It's a joke. AJ Hinch is a nice guy. He's got no backbone, no guts. Cora's a phony. So is Beltron. Now we'll find out what the deal is with the Red Sox. But these are angry players. They are angry at the commissioner. They are angry at what he's done to the game. And now they have been pushed to the hill. Because they've been told, these guys cheated. The only way I could find out that they cheated was to give them immunity. Not only am I not going to take the title away or put an asterisk by it. Now I'm going to tell them that I got to protect them. You can't retaliate. Of course, these guys are going to be pissed. They say, where's the justice? You didn't do anything, and now you're telling us we can't. The hell with you. I will be surprised if the commissioner escapes this entire saga unscathed. He looks worn. He looks tired. He looks beaten. And I would not be surprised Once 
they get a new collective bargaining agreement, if they are able to do that, I would not be surprised if he steps down. I think that's the only reason why he's sticking around or why they're keeping him around is to handle the collective bargaining agreement. And he has three years left on his contract, which whatever. I I think that's the only reason that at least I can think of that they would keep him around for. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. There's two parts of this, and we dealt with the first part. The first part was how the Astros handled the cheating, and they handled it just about as poorly as you possibly could. From the owner down to the players, the entire franchise was a joke, looked like fools. But this coming from the top, the commissioner of baseball, then giving his statements and comments and some of the things that he said from those comments. And I don't know, maybe he thought if he spoke for 45 minutes with Carl Ravitch that we would just miss some of the stuff that he was throwing out. Maybe we would forget some of the things that he was admitting to or not admitting to or saying, maybe if I just keep talking, this will all blow over and nobody's going to click the 45 minute video. Unfortunately, people did. One of the things that stood out to me was, as you mentioned, I guess you could swallow not suspending the players if you could only get the information from them and grant them immunity so everything would come out in the open. But you can't just have that be it. If you're going to do that, then take away the World Series. What's the punishment going to be? If you're not going to punish the players which would be pretty much the whole team. I mean, can you just suspend all the players on offense and, and keep the pitching staff around for however many games? It would be interesting and, and weird and crazy to see what they would have to do with it. Okay, you grant immunity, but you can't keep the World Series. Something has to give. I mean, for you to say that the commissioner says, I thought about stripping the Astros World Series title, but decided against it because there was zero precedent for that, and he wanted the public to judge the facts. He thought that by just releasing the reports to the public after Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich did an incredible reporting job to make this stuff known, Jared Diamond of the the Wall Street Journal making this stuff known. Once it was known, he was basically backed into a corner to say, oh yeah, here's, here's the reports, here's what we found, here's everything, and he thought that would be enough, that the public outcry of what they were reading would be punishment enough that we as fans and the general vicinity of people could just say, well, we know the Astros did wrong by these reports, and that's okay, and we're good with that. That makes absolutely zero sense. You had an opportunity to put your foot down to get rid of the World Series title, but you, you couldn't because there wasn't a precedent set for this? So, so when the White Sox 
Black Sox scandal happened in 1919, you think everybody in the room sat around and, hey, man, this has never happened before. You think we should just toss some dirt over it and move on? I don't know what to do. It's never happened before. We better not go too far with this. No. You do what's right. You do what's right for the sport. That's why you're in that position. So when things happen that are unprecedented, you put the law and rule in order for how to figure out what's the best way to decide the punishments. Well, that, that, that's the thing. There's no precedent for taking it away. Well, this conduct has never happened before. Right. There, there's been no precedent where a team cheated this way. So you make the rules, man. That's why you're all, in that all, chair. All, 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 via, all via his technology. But Commissioner wanted all the technology. You know, you give the kid the toy and you keep improving the toy and the kid's going to keep stretching the usage of the toy. He's going to find ways to use the toy. And that's what happened. Simple cure. You know, he, said, he says, now we're going to restrict the use of video. And of course... J.D. Martinez is already whining and bitching because, you know, he may not be able to go watch his at-bats during the game. Well, that's too bad. I don't want to sound like the old report, but Willie Mays didn't watch his at-bats during the game. The easiest way to combat this is to take the snake and cut off the head of the snake. The snake is the video. The snake is in-game video. You don't need any in-game video. You don't need to go down the runway and look at your at-bat. The pitching coach doesn't need to go into the training room or into the locker room and check out the flaws in his guy's delivery during the game. You do it the way you're supposed to do it, with your eyes. And if you can't figure it out, that's too damn bad. That means you're not good enough to figure out what the problem is. You steal signs the old-fashioned way. You challenge calls the old-fashioned way. Not by looking back down the runway to your video guy. By making your determination whether or not it was a bad call the same way the umpire did, in real time, with your eyes. 15 seconds, 20 seconds, three challenges per game. No video. The only video is in New York. Or Secaucus, wherever, where they're reviewing it. That's the only video. No video in the locker room, no video in the runway, no video in the bullpen, no where, no how. No real time, no time. Pre-game and post-game, that's it. You don't need it. Stan usually gets to analyze his swing in between the bats. Now, Sandy Kopech's pitching coach didn't need to get, get to go in the locker room. Hey, Sandy, okay. Uh, you know, when you come in the stretch position, you are stepping off the rubber with your 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 lead leg a little too early. A little too early. Okay. Your lead leg, your 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 lead leg. Watch where you look at your landing spot. Your landing spot is about six inches off of your normal landing spot with your lead leg. Fix that and you'll be fine. And you know what Stan Musial did? He went over to the other Cardinals players and said, hey, man, what did he throw you there? That was the changeup outside that struck you out? Yeah, he threw me the changeup. How about that curveball? When do you see it breaking? Oh, it broke here on that one-two pitch. That's what you did. You went oh, to the and, players. And, and, you went the, to the, the coaches. The is, oh, well, you know, everybody throws so much harder. Every, every, everybody gets so much more move. Figure it out. 
You can watch you can watch all these guys in between games. You can do all the video video work and analytics and breakdowns leading up to the game. No problem. Can be an absolute educational tool to improve your game and to combat the opponent and what they're doing. No problem with it whatsoever. But once the lights go on, the video and technology goes off. Very simple. And the game is played on real time with real eyes and real players and not nonsense, not bullshit, because it has become bullshit. It's no longer real. And once it becomes a scenario where you can't trust what's going on on the field to be the outcome resulting from only things on the field, stealing signs the old-fashioned way, you can't trust it. And once you can't trust it, you got nothing. Now, as a counter to the commissioner doing nothing, you could make the following argument that if the commissioner suspended players or the commissioner put an asterisk by it or the commissioner took away that meaningless piece of metal, it would be over. And eventually, it would be forgotten and there would be your punishment. You could make the argument that these players and this organization will suffer more because there is no punishment. They're getting constant abuse from their fellow players. They will get constant abuse from fans. There will be constant abuse from the media. It will not end. We forgive and forget when people get punishment, serve their sentence, Say they're sorry. This team has been unable to say they're sorry in any way, shape, or form. The players have not and will not be punished. And the rewards that they reaped, most notably the championship, will not be taken away. So as a result, they will be held up to criticism and scorn that will go on in perpetuity. Because they were not properly punished, according to so many, their fellow players, a good chunk of the public, a lot of the media. So as a result, you could make the argument that no punishment is even worse punishment. Your thoughts? Well, that's the argument that our commissioner made. <laughs> that's that's why he reasoned the way he did, that the public outcry. That's will be not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. He's not. I, I don't think his goal is to perpetuate this. No, I don't, I don't think, think he wants it to last. to do with his rationale. Right. His rationale is that, you know, what would that do? What well, would do a lot? You know, if I'm a player and I'm not a champion anymore. That's a lot. Right. If I'm a fan base and I don't have that championship anymore, it's a lot. 
and and it would also be a great deterrent. Exactly. Because, you know, I'm not going to risk losing the title. Right. Because we don't know if now in 2020 it becomes, all right, what's the next thing? What's the next thing we can do? Just like what happened with the steroid era. It got to the point where the players were so far ahead of the testing that it was it, it became laughable year after year. It's like, oh, we we're fine. <laughs> that's gonna be years before they catch up to us. In the back of your mind you think, well, now we'll see what the next thing is. The next thing that a team could get away with. Because what's the worst that happens? Your manager takes the fall, your GM takes the fall, your owner gets a slap on the wrist fine. You don't lose anything that you might have won. And you've won what you might not have had you not done what you did. You know what I love, too, from from the the report is that those Codebreaker guys that figured all this out in the first place are still employed by the Astros. They didn't get punishment either because the pressure was placed on them by the players, according to our commissioner, even though, of course, we know the players didn't get any punishment. So <laughs> the, the layers of this are incredible. To close this chapter of it, because as you mentioned, when the Red Sox stuff comes out, this will continue. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for baseball in that we finally heard from the big personalities in the sport in a way like WWE wrestling is in that they went after the commissioner. This is Stone Cold going after Vince McMahon. The best players in the sport Dragging the commissioner through the court. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Not talking about the weather, not talking about the Eagles. Mike Trout, who never rips anybody. Taking shots. To me, Turner's comments are are the most damning. Yeah. From the Dodgers. You know, what he said. To quote, really, he said, uh, I mean, you know, the only thing meaningless about the trophy is the name that's on it. Oh, my goodness. He said, I don't know if the commissioner has ever won anything in his life. Maybe he hasn't. But the reason every guy's in this room, the reason every guy is working out all offseason and showing up to camp early and putting in the time and effort is specifically for that trophy, which, by the way, is called the commissioner's trophy. So for him to devalue it the way he did yesterday just tells me how out of touch he is with the players in this game. At this point, the only thing devaluing the trophy is that it says commissioner on it. Woo! <laughs> and, and folks, there you have the difference between the new report and the old report. I paraphrase: the new report has the quote at his fingertips. That's why I latched onto the kid because he's electric. He's on top of it, and me, I, I'm I'm just trying to get some airtime. It's as simple. I'm just an old man trying to get some airtime, and he's all over it with the exact quote from Turner who's a big-time player on a big-time team and lost the 2017 World Series to the Astros. And, look, you know, if I was a Dodger fan, would I be pissed? Yes. I don't think I'd be whining uh, like a lot of the Dodger and Yankee fans are. But I think the more that it comes out, the angrier the players get. And I also think they are getting angry and angrier and angrier at the entire snowball going downhill, which is, I don't want to say the refusal, but I just want to say it's seemingly inability 
of the entire Astro organization to handle this thing properly. I don't even think it's a refusal. I think they're just able to do it. I just think it's ingrained in their organization that they have no idea how to be remorseful and how to deal with anything that holds them in a negative light. And they have shown that repeatedly, as we've said, you know, for, for, for the last few years, they just, they can't do it. They don't, they just, it, it is not in their DNA to be remorseful and show any kind of grace or class or dignity in apologizing from the ownership on down through the players. And that pisses off other organizations. It's got the players pissed off. And then obviously you know, the commissioner who just seemingly continues to try and explain his rationale and puts his foot in his mouth at every possible opportunity has got them even more pissed off. And as you know, stay tuned because the Red Sox decision is coming out at the end of the week. So we'll see exactly what the no stone unturned Red Sox investigation resulted in. Al, it's always a pleasure. And as you said, we literally will do this again next week. Before we go, one quick note, because it does involve life and limb. The end of the Daytona 500 today, which was moved from yesterday because of the rain in Florida, had one of the wildest endings in the history of automobile racing with Denny Hamlin winning his second consecutive and third in five years in the second closest finish in the history of the Daytona 500. Ryan Newman got sent into orbit and was finally on the last lap in an incredibly scary crash. They've just announced that he is in serious condition, but his injuries are not life-threatening. So that is great news because that's just, you know, that's not a guy getting hit with a baseball in the shoulder or an arm or a leg. This is literally, you know, a life or death situation. It looks like he's going to be okay. On that note, until next week, folks, I am Al from White Plains for my, uh, also known obviously as Al Renato, uh, for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund. Have a great sports week. This is the new report, old report. Take care, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.